What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it Wednesdays here. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Plenty of NFL news to get to. Patrick Mahomes update. Phil Rivers, Mr. Phillips, saying adios. And uh, we'll spend some time talking NFL with the sporting news. Is Bill Bender in our two. Brad Edwards of ESPN College Football Insider will get his uh, take on some blue, bu- blue bloods. You try saying it. Blue bloods drifting in the ocean. Uh, specifically Tennessee is uh, anxious to get his take on that with uh, his fingerprints all over the SEC. Some thoughts on Nebraska as well. This hour, Mike Babcock and Mike Shuhart will be with us. You can join us. Uh, open phones here to start off and towards the end of the show, 466-377-6466-377-800-825-5865. Email chris at halevarsity.com. And uh, can always find us and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Did get an email to get the show kicked off, uh, assuming that there's no streaming where Brett is working out. Because if he's working out between four and six, stream us ESPNLincoln.com. Stream us uh, iHeartMedia. Stream us. Uh, wherever you like to stream. View your Alexa. Right. Uh, say, Alexa, play uh, Hail Varsity Radio, and uh, let us uh, get you through the stair machine or the treadmill, or dare I even say, get you through the... Uh, th- there's a new machine at Madonna where I work out that I just kind of wave at. I have not jumped on yet, but it's... I don't know. It's, it's uh, not quite an elliptical, or it's a souped-up elliptical that's... Pretty intense. Is it like an elliptical stair stepper type thing? Where kind, it's yeah, 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 yeah. That thing's medieval in a good way. <laughs> in a good way, <laughs> it can it can take some of us that, that aren't ready for that step uh, to a new level. But he was asking about Netflix shows. He's through Peaky Blinders. I said, "Well, have you checked out Ozark?" I'm I'm waiting on a response, but. I don't know. I've I've kind of ran the gamut of shows over winter break that I streamed. You know, checked out The Mandalorian. I'm a little pissed that there's no more Mad Men on uh, Netflix. And fire up uh, Disney, man, and, and go watch some of the 30 for 30s. Oh, yeah, those are great. Those are incredible. Watch part one and two of The U. Watch mm-hmm. The Boz. Yes. Brian right? Hope. That's uh, good. Yeah, Brian and the Boz. Yeah, Brian and the Boz. You have uh, The Gospel According to Mac. That's a good Another college football one. one with the buffs. And I know that, that hits home for Nebraska fans a little bit, but hey, there, there's options out there. So let's get into a little bit of, of Hale Varsity mailbag. And I love this on HaleVarsity.com. And 
the old uh, faithful Derek Peterson, Dr. Petey, our Friday staple, always puts out the mailbag call Tuesday night, and then you see it flipped around, turned around on, on HailVarsity.com. And there's there's a lot of great questions by Nebraska fans because we're kind of in that mode right now, aren't we? We're, we're in that mode of, okay, football's done <clears throat> from a college standpoint, so let's hurry up and get spring ball here. Before that, you've got winter conditioning, got a bunch of newbies that have reported, uh, some high-profile guys, really good story by Mitch Sherman as well on just kind of that gap between where the offense is at. We spent a little bit of time on that yesterday with Mitch and where the defense has gone, right? And and that's the talking point a year ago was eh, what's going to happen with the defense. Well, you saw the defense kind of put their nose down, get better, get developed, not get pushed around. And it's in such a spot when it comes to trust and faith and in want to taking that next step that you had a boatload of guys come back, right? I mean, you have nine of 11 starters back on, on your, your black shirt defense. It was pretty decent last year, right? They were, they were, they were much better. They were supposed to be uh, maybe a liability, and they were absolutely the strength of the football team this year. So the, the reality is, you know, it's kind of the offense's turn. <laughs> it's the offense's turn to, to kind of pull what a black shirt 2020 did. Can you make some, some real strides on the offensive end? And the, the truth is this, you've regressed for the last three years from a points per game. You've gone from 30 in year one, now all the way down to, to 23 points a ball game. And you have the ability to win Big Ten football games playing Big Ten style. That's defense, that's running game, that's field position, that's all of those things that's taking care of the football, right? And it works. It, it works for Iowa. It works for Northwestern. It, it has worked for Minnesota. It can work for Nebraska. And it it's not been bad. I mean, not everybody's as high-flying and sexy as Ohio State or dare I say Penn State when they've had better years, okay? Michigan's kind of been in search of what they've wanted to be uh, offensively. Uh, defense was kind of their strength a couple of years ago. Now, not so much, and, and they've kind of botched their quarterback situation, or at least they, they've got a guy that came in highly touted, and and he looked good early and then kind of faded late and was, was kind of a mess, and there you have it. So, the, the topic of, of a split program, and I, and I think you do have that, and you don't have the offense complementing the defense many, many times last season. I was going through just the quarterback situation because McCaffrey's here, which is great, but this needs to be asked out loud. And can you put a plan together, A, that if McCaffrey's not going to win the quarterback job, Okay, let's just say that, that Adrian's going to win the job this, and assume that it's still a competition. Let's say McCaffrey's your backup. Let's say McCaffrey's a guy that wants to play quarterback, and somehow, some way, uh, he decides to stay and says, "All right, I'm just going to do what I can for this offense." Let's just walk down that that road of unknown. Could do it. 
could go somewhere else. And, and if I'm a quarterback, darn it, I'm going to be a quarterback and I'm going to play quarterback somewhere else if I can't be the guy at Nebraska. Because that, that's really your options on the table right now. And with McCaffrey, you got to figure out what you want him to do, what you want him to be, and what you can go rep him at. Okay? Because you can't ask him to, to be a great quarterback if he's not getting quarterback reps all the time. Okay? You can't just be a part-time quarterback. You can have packages and, and roles and go Tebow route, but it's not fair for him from a quarterback development standpoint if he's just not doing what a quarterback does every day in practice. Do you ask him to be a wide receiver? You ask him to be uh, part of your solution to a running game because you saw him do things against Ohio State, and it was pretty effective aside from holding on to the football. Okay, You saw him break off uh, what was for a long time last season Nebraska's longest run from scrimmage. Okay, Bang. Took that in inside the red zone. Nebraska scores. A uh, play later on Adrian. Nebraska's up 7-0 on Ohio State. But you saw McCaffrey – catch the football during his career, and do that pretty well. You've seen McCaffrey have his moments at quarterback, right? I mean, he was a starter, went 13-21 against Penn State, didn't screw it up, rushed the ball pretty well, ran for about 80 yards or so. And when he got the start and things were clicking okay, he can quarterback for you. But then you had three fumbles and three picks against Illinois, against Lovey. And, and then you saw him try and save the day against Northwestern, right? And then you, you made the switch uh, eventually against Iowa, right? I mean, you went with Adrian against Iowa, and he went 18-20. So turnovers have been the problem at the quarterback spot. Doesn't matter who's behind center. But you need to kind of narrow down a sound plan for, for Luke McCaffrey to complement this offense Either he sticks and stays at quarterback and he's used maybe in some sub-packages if you still want to go that route, or you go Swiss Army with him and let him carry the football, you let him catch the football. Hell, maybe he returns the football. I don't know, but you got to have some sort of plan for me, to me, for him moving forward. Because it was sporadic also with Wandale Robinson, where... He was catching the ball, but then you shifted to him carrying the football a lot. And from a total yardage standpoint, he was doing well with touches and total yards, but didn't have much help with it. You had McCaffrey right there, but you were afraid to use him in some other skill spots because you were unsettled at quarterback. That's the bigger part of this puzzle to a better offense, right? Don't you think? I mean, get get some some concrete plans laid, get the buy-in for it, and then go get it wrapped up and executed. Yeah, and obviously the, the buy-in's probably most important. If you can't get a kid to buy into a position change, he's never going to go flourish in this new spot. you got to get him to buy in. And if a new position is in the cards for McCaffrey, I mean, there's a big hole at the Duck R spot with Wandale gone now. And, and does McCaffrey not seem like he would fit there from what he we would saw carrying the ball? there, don't you think? I mean, from what I've seen in the open field, he, he can run over defensive backs better than Wandale could. He finishes off runs well. He's got great straight-line speed. He's got enough wiggle to yeah, him. He's got enough make-you-miss in, in close quarters. I don't think he's going to be taking the big shots from linebackers that uh, not necessarily that Wandale was taking all the time, but he's not going to be a liability when he's getting hit in the open field because he's a little bit bigger than Wandale. The question is, can he run the same routes that Wandale does? And that's obviously going to take time with a position change. Well, and, and again, it's the 
sell, it's the acceptance, and then it's the moving forward with uh, buy-in on the same page. But you need some sort of plan, and you've had three years in the Big Ten of what you've wanted your offense to be, and you've seen some glimpses of it work okay. Other times, it's it's been sporadic. And, and the biggest issue for Nebraska, they put up a lot of yards on a lot of people. That's not translated to points because they've had red zone issues. That's not translated to points because there's been penalties that'll kill a drive. That's not translated to points because they'll turn the football over. Right? And... It, it's more so the fumble. And in some of the instances, it's not Nebraska's quarterback's fault where, oops, I just dropped the football in the open field. It's it's third and eight, and someone gets beat, and here's a strip sack. Right? I mean, you're driving to beat Iowa this year. What happens? What closes the door to strip sack? Right? You're, you're trying to come back against Illinois. What happens? McCaffrey's back to throw, gets whacked, strip sack. I mean, there's a couple, three instances of those this last season that that turns into three and five. And the bigger talking point, back to the mailbag, is the, you know, the the floor and then the ceiling conversation with Nebraska football. You know, and Brad Edwards has said this, that Nebraska's not that far off. They're competitive with most top 25 teams they play. They've beaten a handful of them, or they've found a way to lose games against top 25 teams, right? And and I know you were watching on New Year's Day or some of the bowl games like I was where you're seeing, and Iowa didn't have a bowl game, but you saw Iowa finish pretty highly ranked. You saw Wisconsin not ranked, but still finished the season out the right way. Then you saw Northwestern finish, what, they finished 7th, 10th, something like that, where, yeah, they had their hiccup against Michigan State and they played their butt off against Northwestern. Uh, excuse me, against Ohio State and, and lost that thing and made it really uncomfortable for Ohio State because of how good their defense was. Listen, Nebraska's right there uh, against Iowa and, and Northwestern and Minnesota, okay? So clearly you can do enough to, to be in the game. You got enough of a performance from your defense to, to be in the game. You need better finishing from your offense, you need a better identity, you need an identity, and then you need a game plan for some of these kids that are still part of your program that haven't left. In Mitch's story, you've had 10 guys on offense bolt the program on the offensive side of the football since, you, since, since you've got here in 2017. And some of those guys are, are pretty important pieces. A, try and keep the kids here that are still here. That remains to be seen, but also find a way to get some development with these high-profile guys. And and I think there'll be better development. I think you'll see better options at running back. I don't think that they don't have the talent in the running back room. I think it's just been so herky-jerky with COVID that they probably not had a chance to drill down and just develop. You've got some hope and some some returning heat uh, in a good way with what's back on the offensive line. Got a four-year starter at quarterback. You've got a kid in McCaffrey. That, that made a lot of plays at quarterback for you last year. And you've seen him be able to make plays in your offense at different spots. So there's some pretty good ingredients for Chili here, right? How much of those ingredients do you spice up to make it at least decent 
and serviceable and functional here. It's functional here for 2021. Yeah, and the problem is you're entering a chili cook-off that just got the, the best the best cooks from across the Midwest. Are you got a lot of chefs, <laughs> baby. You got a lot of good got, chefs that you're taking this but, chili but here's, up again. Here's the other part of this, though. You're not in any worse spot at quarterback than anyone else in the league. Because, I mean, Fields is gone. You got the kid at Iowa that wasn't anything special, and he'll prob- knowing Iowa, he'll probably take a, a jump for year two. I mean, the one name I can think of is Graham Mertz from Wisconsin. He had a pretty good year, but he's still young, and you don't know sophomore slump could still be coming. Well, Mertz is there, and, and Mertz, Mertz was, was injury-prone. Uh, Northwestern's hitting reset at quarterback. Panix is coming off an injury. Now it's Captain Morgan up in Minnesota. Does he go to the draft? Does he come back? But Adrian's been there four years. So you're sitting well with what you got experience-wise. Can you get the production? Mike Babcock's next to Tail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Hump Day Edition. Brad Edwards, ESPN Insider, College Game Day, in about thirty minutes or so, we'll hang out with Bill Bender, Sporting News. We welcome in historian, author, Hall of Famer. And a tremendous uh, writer, knows all things Nebraska, Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, how's your Wednesday? You enjoying the uh, the 50-degree-plus day? Yeah, I went out and walked around a little bit in the neighborhood and uh, didn't see anybody. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, was, it was nice. Uh, this is a typical January day, I'd say. Right. I mean, perfect to, to show all those potential recruits just what winter is like. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, this is the way it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. that's how it is. That's how God. it is. Yeah, Babbers, we're, we're talking a little bit here, big picture about Nebraska. And, you know, as, as we – how do you juggle, I guess? I want to start with, with the McCaffrey topic. And Luke's back here for winter conditioning, and that's that's good news. But, you know, he wants to do the quarterback thing, and you saw him in so many different roles – last year what would what would best suit the team uh with his skill set is it is it a situation where man you really take a look and and completely try and sell him that look if something happens at quarterback and you don't win the job you're gonna be a a go-to with it in in a backup role but here's how we think you can help the football team catching and running the football i mean the the Ohio State game is that a blueprint possibly for him moving forward within the offense? Well, like you said earlier, Smitty, though you know if, you, if you're a quarterback, that's where you got to spend your practice time. I mean, it's repetition over and over and over again. It's really important that the quarterback get that get those uh, snaps at, at quarterback, and that you know. So if that's the case, it's difficult for a guy like Luke to to do those other things. I think because you're. You, you've got to constantly practice that quarterback. I mean, if you're if you're comfortable and able to do those kinds of things, I, I think yeah, that's good to have them on the field. Um, but uh, it's just it's just really difficult in terms of practice. I think um, because of the position and because of what you have to do. And it, you know, it, it's such a difficult conversation because you look at 
statistically, and I and I know statistics don't always tell the answer, but uh, give you the answer. But um, uh, Adrian, you know, completed seventy uh, percent of his passes. Yeah. Um, uh, he he averaged uh, a little over five and a half yards a carry. Um, uh, Luke averaged about about the same uh, in, in terms of carries. Um, and and passing, he completed you know sixty three percent of his passes, but he had some problems with interceptions, and uh, I, I think six is that right? One and, yeah, the, the 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 interception touchdown ratio is the wrong way. Yeah, one to six. To one. Yeah, um, and you know Adrian was was like uh, uh, four touchdowns to three interceptions, I think, but. So, so statistically, I mean, it's pretty clear. And from an experience standpoint, you know, Adrian's a guy. Um, but you would really like to have. I mean, in a perfect world, you'd really like to have a guy like Luke ready to come in if something happened to Adrian. You know, just be prepared. Brooke Baringer replacing right. Tommy Fraser, kind of a thing. By the same token, what complicates it again is what you've said is. Uh, the the talent that that Luke McCaffrey has, um, and is is there a way to get him on the field? But because he's a quarterback and because he needs those snaps, I just think it's difficult to to do too much getting him on the field in other ways. Mike Babcock's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine at MD Babs on Twitter. The other side of this too is, you know, what kind of strides can can Luke make? Even if he's not the the main guy, if he's got to be a backup again, what would another year of of just repping, 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 and getting comfortable do with it with his progress, with his growth? Right? I mean, we we don't know just how crazy things were from a practice standpoint uh, last last fall. Right? This this season was was nuts for for everybody. So where where can he jump? Can he jump so you're not the guy, you're a backup at quarterback, but but keep chopping wood on it? And, you know, last year was a free year, so from an eligibility standpoint, I know it would suck to have to wait another year because you're not the starter, but think of the work you can get in as a backup and then take take the helm. Think about two years of training, so to speak, with four to five games last season as the guy, that, that's that's a lot to ask a, 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 a today's quarterback to to, ba- to wait and be patient. But I'm just thinking, big picture, if you get the the training, and I think of a, a Mac Jones, right? Things yeah. didn't work out for him real quickly. He was behind two amazing quarterbacks that are now in the NFL. But man, it paid off for him being patient. Yeah, yeah, it did. And that, that's a great example. I mean, but but. So put it in context. Winning changes a lot of things. Yes. I mean, when, and so you're you're Mac Jones, and you're waiting behind really talented guys, and the team is winning, and you know, to me that just changes the dynamic because, and and I always bring this up, but you know, going back to the to the Osborne era, and those teams won. You know, they're they're winning. Um, he had situations where he predetermined. That a, that a the backup quarterback would get it, get in and at least get a series in the, in the second quarter or somewhere um, when it mattered, you know that he he put him in there and, and get an opportunity. And I think that that's important in the, in any quarterback's development is that the quarterback gets an opportunity 
to get on the field and to be out there, you know, when it matters and see because it's so much different than just getting reps in practice. But that's where winning comes in. You know, when, when you're winning, you can do that. When you're not winning, um, it's more difficult to say, well, we're going to do this with the quarterback because, um, you know, we need to develop that quarterback for, for down the line. But if you could do that, it would be, uh, I, I think, uh, uh, an ideal situation. And say, hey, you know, Adrian's our quarterback, but you're going to get a series or two um, in, in the first half when it matters um, to prepare you so that when your time comes, um, you're going to be ready. Mike, on the other side of things, we have the starter, Adrian Martinez, and, and he's been starting for three years now at Nebraska. And you'd expect after seeing three years of a quarterback that, that you'd know what you have in a guy. But Adrian kind of had two halves to the season, started off the season pretty poorly and was benched, replaced by Luke, but then came back and finished the season strong. So at this point, do we know which Adrian is, is the real Adrian? Is it the good Adrian? Is it the bad Adrian? Was, was Adrian more likely to be what we have at the end of the year? Um, I just... I can't figure it out with him because it's just, again, as I said, two sides of Adrian Martinez. Yeah, I think it was the finish, Adrian. I, I, I really do. And, and uh, um, when the focus is there and the, and the pieces are in place, and both those guys are, you know, we talk about this a lot too, but both those guys are in part at the mercy of what they have around them. And, uh, and, and so you've got, to, you've got to develop a running game in which you have some confidence in that consistent running game. Uh, you've got to have receivers um, that you're confident that they're going to run the routes and, and that the quarterback is going to make the decision to get those passes. And you've got the offensive line that's going to protect the quarterback and help him make those plays. So there are all these other factors. But, but taking that into context, um, I think, that, I think this, the second half of the season, Adrian, is, is, the, is the one you'll see. Mike Babcock's with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine Babbers. I uh, love the, the Hale Varsity mailbag and love spending some time on it on, on Wednesdays. And, you know, the mailbag question, one of many, you know, what's the floor? What needs to be the, the Nebraska floor in 2021? And I think we're all in agreement. You know, let's get to a, to a bowl game if you're Nebraska. And with as many bowl games in existence, that, that shouldn't be a hard thing, but you have a schedule that's this, that is what it is in, in 2021. And you've got lots of, lots of chirping going on with just frustration by the fan base. You also have a section of the fan base that is just, is, is still patient with, you know, five years to, to rebuild this thing. Uh, and then we'll talk. I, I'm interested here as you kind of look forward with some unknowns this this winter and into spring, you know what what can you realistically say is is a worst case or okay at a bare minimum this is what we think Nebraska can get done. Well, you know I think you said it, and I think on the mailbag I think I mentioned that uh, six and six in a bowl game is is probably about where this team is. I think, um, and, and, and you know it's a, it's a fine line I guess. Um, falling below that line is not going to be good. Because um, the team has been there for a couple of three seasons now, and people aren't happy about that. But, but you have to, you know, part of it is you have to develop that winning mentality, and it, that's difficult. That's hard. You know, you got to go into games believing you're going to win, and you can say that you go in believing you're going to win, but that's a different thing, and uh, th- that's where the program has to get. So, it, it, it's a step-by-step process, I think, and six wins this 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 fall, and. It, you know, I probably should have preceded this whole thing by, I hope, 
we get this pandemic under control yes. and we have some kind of normalcy um, going into the fall, that there is a 12-game schedule and, you know, it's, you know, that there's some, some, there's spring practice and there's fall camp and, you know, some of these things. And, that, you know, we're pushing the envelope a little bit in, in terms of spring practice on some, something like that. So um, there's still the uncertainty of that um, that needs to, needs to be clarified. But uh, um, realistically, I think six and six in a bowl game indicates progress. Um, and, uh, and you have to take that step forward and not, not go back to where, where, where you've been. Babbers, about a minute. How are you feeling about the football weekend with the NFL? Don't know. A light practice today is all we got. Okay. Well, if he's not playing, then I'm then I'm thinking it's the Bills and the Packers in the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, and I, you know, that's Mahomes is is really important to that uh, to the Chiefs' uh, ability to get back to the Super Bowl. But I think the Packers will be there. It'd be fun to see a Sue and Levante and a Khalil Davis in the Super Bowl. But oh yeah, yeah. No, I think it's it's it's, it's, it's a it's a it's a I mean, tough call. With, I with got, that in Green Bay. I uh, got the Huskers there, but I, I think that it's probably going to be the, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. It's a tough ask, isn't it, on the road for, for Tampa. Babbers, you have a good Wednesday, man. This was a fun chat. Enjoy the, the weather. We'll get caught up again next week. Appreciate your time. Be safe. You too. Mike Babcock with us. HailVarsity.com and magazine historian, author, Hall of Famer. Follow Mike on Twitter at MD. Babs. We'll talk about that winning mentality. Our dear friend Mike Shuhart. I hope Shuey's putting in January when it's 50 degrees out. Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge, next on Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Well, poor old Bernie Sanders getting abused on Twitter as he's bundled up, (laughs) matched up, sitting by himself, socially distant in a chair. And uh, Ryan McGee put it best. He looks like the grandparent that always watched you at the Little League game in the outfield by (laughs) himself. And uh, Derek Peterson was pretty funny. Bernie was looking at his phone, and, you know, there is the – picture to the left of, of Bernie staring at his phone and the picture of the right at the right had you know, he was watching Husker women's basketball clearly that's what Bernie Sanders is watching uh we welcome in at Wilderness Ridge Mike Shuhart Shuey you, you got another day is, is it course rocking or is it still a little too a uh, little too chilly out there's a little too much snow on the greens yet so we got some people out hitting balls some of our members are out hitting balls getting anxious wanting to get out there and play some so that will have a tendency to do that when it's fifty-five degrees in January. Oh, it's it's a, it's a, it's a it's a it's a vest and a long sleeve type of type of day to go uh, work on that 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 three wood yeah. or or your uh, your driver. So, Shuey, you guys are are now taking memberships. Give us a little rundown if you could with uh, with how folks can can dial that up and, and check into Wilderness Ridge because the golf speaks for itself the time with you speaks for itself 
how great the vodka taste on the uh, uh, on on the deck to, uh, speaks for itself. But I mean, you guys got big old plans with the pool and family yeah. stuff, and I mean, it's it's a pretty good uh, pretty good uh, situation you guys are adding on at Wilderness. It's already beautiful. Yeah, it's going to be a huge change. So uh, obviously, the first of the year we went fully private. So uh, we have a, a new clubhouse. Uh, new pro shop, new golf academy that's being built. I'm standing right here in our old pro shop looking right at our new building that's under construction right now, massive. So really excited, anxious to get into that. And then uh, once uh, a little better weather hits, we'll start construction on the pool. So we'll have a huge pool complex, aquatic center. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. Lazy River, <laughs> a swim-up adult bar, lap pool so everything you need and then we're going to in, in the existing pro shop they're going to tear that down they're going to put uh you're going to basically reconfigure that you'll have a workout area and then a new members only uh kind of a grill area so there's a lot of new stuff that that is under construction so super exciting can't wait for all the things to be finished and our members can't wait uh, Anybody's interested, they need to contact us out here at Wilderness Ridge, actually Tammy Nagel. Okay. You go, you go on site, you go on the website and have all that information. She's our she's our lead uh, as far as uh, membership information goes, so that's who everybody will be in contact with, getting some information on what is coming. Shuey, I, I would like a guided tour and, and a chance to swim up to the swim-up bar with you. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? It'd be That'd all be a right. Scary, but <laughs> be a scary sight. Me out there swimming up to the swim up bar. <laughs> we we would we would we would uh, back float our way to the swim up bar, and we'd just pull the pull the tap. Is what we do. <laughs> Just fill, up my snorkel. Just fill up my snorkel. Just fill up my snorkel. Be good. Exactly. Uh, I want to go to some Tiger Woods thoughts here, real quick, Shuey. And you know, what are you kind of looking at for Tiger in 2021? He announced that he had another back procedure. What's it mean for him? Yeah, I, I guess initially he was just going in for some cleanup work, and mm-hmm. then as they got in there. It looked a little more extensive than that and turned out to be more extensive than that. Now they're talking he might be out for almost half the season, so that's that's not good for Tiger. That's not good for the game. You know, game's always better when Tiger's out competing and playing and is in the field, so hopefully he can get back sooner than later. Because originally he was just having some, some nerve pain in his lower back because He's already had a lot of work done, right? And it, it looked like he was yeah. feeling pretty good, and you know, that's his fifth. That's his fifth back surgery, man. That is a lot of back surgeries. He told I mean, Peyton Manning to hold his beer on the old back and neck <laughs> issues, didn't he? Exactly. So yeah, that's never good when you have to go in there and have that many procedures done that many times. I mean, the older you get, the harder it is to come back from those things. But Tiger's a rare specimen, you know. He's got the best in the world that's working on him, and he's typically motivated in getting back. So, you know, it's going to be kind of – hopefully he gets back for the Masters. Yeah. doesn't sound like it, but hopefully. I mean, that's kind of his tournament. He loves the Masters. The Masters loves him, and it wouldn't be the same without Tiger in the field. Well, he had that back fusion and, and the spinal fusion in, in 2017, and that brought some relief for him. 
uh, short term, and, and now he's back into recovery. Shuey, I, I want to go football here for a minute. And, and Elijah and I were talking about kind of a game plan for the offense. Yes, we, we talk about identity seemingly every day or every week, but specifically uh, if you got asked and said, all right, Shuey, we got Nebraska football on the phone, what would your plan be for Luke McCaffrey? How would you use him in 2021? I'd put him right where Wandell left off. That's where I'd put him. That's, you know, send him out there. He's too good of an athlete to not not have on the field. Um, I don't know if he's quite good enough to be a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, he's only because he doesn't have the arm. You know, if his arm got a little stronger, I think he'd be okay. Mm-hmm. But he's quick. You know, he's got good football IQ. He's smart. You know, so he's out there. I mean, you've seen glimpses of what he's capable of doing. So you got to have him out on the field to, to give him the opportunity to do what he does best and to help your football team. So, I mean, I, I would kind of put him in the place that, that Wondell was. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, Mike, we've – uh, I mean, I, I mentioned this in the first segment. I know Chris has thought about it too. My roommate last week said that last week when he saw Wandale transfer that, oh, maybe Luke can transfer or into that spot now. Um, it just seems like such a a simple idea that's going to make a lot of fit, sense. That's right? a natural fit right there. Um, but as we've known from the past three years, Scott Frost doesn't always do what he expects us to do. So do you actually expect Luke to make a, a position switch this offseason? And, and if not, do you expect him to be playing at the University of Nebraska come next fall? That's going to be, you know, very tough for him because he's got to want to make that switch. You know, does he want to be a quarterback? Is he a quarterback? Does he want to be a quarterback? Is he going to stay at a quarterback? You know, is he willing to make that switch? You know, well, that's that's some personal things. I think mm-hmm. he thinks he's a quarterback and wants to be a quarterback. So it's like you start asking him to change positions. You know, is that not what he wants to do? Is that what he wants to do? Is he going to be happy doing that? I mean, he seems like talking to him, listening to him, he seems like a kid that will do anything that it takes to help the team win. Um, And if I'm a player, man, I want to get on the field however I can get on the field to play. So hopefully he makes that transition. You know, I just don't see him as a Big Ten quarterback. Mm -hmm. His arm isn't strong enough, and he's not big enough. he's, He's not the most... You know, he's not a beast out there, and he's pretty skinny. Yeah. Can't Mike, take that pounding. Mike Schuart's with us. Wilderness Ridge Golf. Go see Shuey. He'll get you fixed up and uh, talk to the folks at Wilderness about a membership. Shuey will talk next week. Thanks for jumping on today. You bet. Thanks for having me. Always. All right. Stay safe. You too, buddy. Take care, Shuey. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Brad Edwards, ESPN Insider College Game Day, 10 minutes away. Bill Bender, Sporting News, all over the NFL. A light workout and practice for Patrick Mahomes. Philip Rivers saying goodbye. And I loved Searles, hearing Searles' stories about. Old uh, Philip Rivers working and playing with him in uh, San Diego. 
A reminder about West Blue Realty. Your friends at West Blue can help you relocate in 2021. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. They'll help make uh, that move a smooth one for you. When you mention Hale Varsity for a limited time, West Blue Realty can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Give Tom Luby a phone call at 402-540-3768. Or Kelly Hofschneider can call Kelly as well at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue, westbluerealty.com. Get an appointment today, 1120 K Street, Suite 200 uh, in Lincoln. Numbers to get in for us here at Hale Varsity Radio, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Philip Rivers, man, a guy from Alabama that Chuck Amato recruited. And to be honest with you, that was the period where Bobby Bowden started losing a lot of his assistants. Okay. And his defensive coordinator, Chuck Amato, was with him for for decades. And Amato left and took the NC State job. I think Mario Williams was the top pick overall. He had Phillip Rivers. And, of course, Eli kind of flip-flop in the draft. Uh, But but Phillip was a quarterback for NC State, and they always ended up having Florida State's number. You'd have decent Florida State teams. This is pre-Jimbo. And... The one loss or or one of the two losses in the ACC for a Florida State program that went from going eleven and one right to uh, to to nine and three more more of a vulnerable Florida State program in the ACC uh, didn't have a guy like Philip Rivers who typically would have ended up at a Florida State because Chuck Chuck Amato was a great recruiter and had connections in Bama. Well, Philip Rivers goes to NC State, does his things, get drafted, gets drafted high. Has a great career, and you've got Drew Brees that was in San Diego. Then here comes Philip Rivers, and this is post Ryan Leaf, and it was it was really pretty awesome to see not only a guy like Brees thrive, right, but but also a guy like Philip Rivers do as well as he did uh, with his career. And he had Ladanian, he had some receivers, he had a defense around him. They could never just get over the New England hump. I mean. How about San Diego, though, now Los Angeles for their ability to target quarterbacks in the draft? Because they went three straight quarterbacks, went Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Justin Herbert mm-hmm. are the three guys that they've groomed to be their starters. Wow. I mean, it's, that's three for three. Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer. Phillip Rivers, borderline Hall of Famer uh, himself. And Justin Herbert looks like he's going to be a solid NFL Well, and, and, and again, this is all post-Leaf, right? The Manning-Leaf deal in 98. San Diego traded their pick to Atlanta. Right, and Atlanta goes and gets Michael Vick, and the Chargers end up drafting Ladanian Tomlinson, and then getting Drew Brees in the second round, which was which was pretty awesome. So they they had some things going for sure. Brad Edwards, how can Kevin Steele navigate in Tennessee? Thoughts on the Big Red? Hour two coming up on Hale Varsity.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Bill Bender coming up. Sporting news. We'll go around the NFL and uh, get an update with uh, Dr. Doug Tavis, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, our Jock Doc segment on the Mahomes concussion and protocol. We welcome in Brad Edwards, college football insider at Edwards on Twitter. Brad, what's uh, the coolest thing you ever got in a McDonald's Happy Meal? <laughs> wow. Uh, you know what? I don't remember if it was the Happy Meal um, or whether it was just something that McDonald's was giving out. But back in it's probably the late 70s, uh, so when I was a kid, they were, uh, they were, they were giving out these uh, little books on the Super Bowl. Okay. And, um, and I, I want to say at that point there had been like 12 Super Bowls, and they had four different of these little booklets and each one was like a, just a kind of brief overview of what happened and you know, one through three mm-hmm. and then four through six, seven through nine, et cetera. And, and as a kid who was about, I don't know, was probably about eight or nine years old. Um, I just ate those things up and I sat there and I read through them, you know, probably like, you know, 15 times each. And that was, that. I mean, that's one of my earliest memories of, of just, loving sports and, mm-hmm. and just consuming as much of it as I could. And it was something that came from McDonald's and it might've been a happy meal. I'm not sure. Well, that's all right. And, and I just referenced the happy meal The you know, you reach into the bag and maybe it's a cheeseburger. Maybe it's a, it's a hamburger and some fries. Maybe you get a chocolate or vanilla milkshake. That's how typically they go. But uh, there's some uh, some allegations that a little different uh, in in Knoxville with what's in the McDonald's bag. <laughs> yeah, um, this is a weird story. Isn't it? I mean, my I, goodness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so the the big thing out there that everyone well, there are, I think there are multiple things that people are trying to figure out. But you know, one of them, one of the conspiracy theories is that is that Philip Fulmer was responsible for initiate. Excuse me. <clears throat> for initiating this because he wanted to get rid of Jeremy Pruitt without having to pay the buyout. Mm. And, um, you know, whether that's true or whether there's any truth in it or it's no more than a conspiracy theory, I don't know. Uh, and then, of course, so you, you read the, um, the, the correspondence that, uh, that Pruitt had with the, the president or chancellor, what, what, whatever her title is, mm-hmm. um, makes it seem as if they didn't actually have anything on him. And so now you got a whole can of worms and, and where uh, initially the goal seemed to be that, hey, we're going to make a coaching change without having to pay these millions of dollars. Um, now they might actually end up getting sued for all these millions of dollars. So Tennessee just can't get anything right. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a long time since they did. And we all remember what a train wreck the uh, the last coaching search was, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously it didn't get them any better of position. In fact, uh, it's pretty safe to say that the whole program's in a worse spot now than it was when they uh, were going through that about three years ago. Brad Edwards with us. So 
you look at uh, the the chancellor at Tennessee. She used to be at Nebraska, pretty high up in the the business administration college. I, I found that out a couple of days ago, and yeah, the the Monday morning sit down was way different than the the, the termination letter. Ex, you know, a, a few hours later, and uh, yeah, that that may have been botched. Talk to me about this. It, did did Pruitt get enough time? And should there be like a five-year minimum? Because you've got so many programs that have hit reset before uh, a guy can can maybe get a fair shot or get a fair shake or three years. It got turned around in three years at Oklahoma. I got turned around three years at USC. I got turned around three years at Florida and, and Ohio State yeah. with Urban. I mean, those are just crazy expectations. Nebraska's going through it because, you know, I mean, Nebraska fans want to win and, and get to a bowl game. And we just finished three, you know, year three of Scott, and, and people are grumbling. And I, I look at, at, at coaching changes and, and how it – really hoses the program, and if you have them stacked on top of one another, like eight, right, including interims for Tennessee since 08, good luck finding someone to take the job. Well, I think so much of it has to do with, you know, where the program was when the coach took it over and what the expectations are. And, uh, you know, I I think in the case of Pruitt, when he took over, um, there, there certainly was a mess but there, there also was some talent because mm-hmm. Butch Jones had recruited pretty well. Um, I mean, some of those players had left, but um, but he still had some talented players there. And and I, I think in the case of of Pruitt, um, you could argue that you had seen enough from him to lead you to believe that you know, with a relative degree of certainty, um, that he was not the guy to get it turned around. He 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 was not the guy to. Uh, to beat Georgia under Kirby Smart and to beat Florida under Dan Mullen and and you know and and that the best case that they were ever going to be with Pruitt uh, was going to be third place in the East and whether that's true or not I, I think they felt like they had enough body of work to reach that conclusion and and so that was part of it and I, of course the other part that has always been a factor with Pruitt is that he's an Alabama guy and Alabama is is probably Tennessee's most hated rival. I know it, it's been so lopsided, the rivalry has been since Saban got there, that people who are younger fans don't even think of Alabama-Tennessee as a rivalry. But if you were to ask Tennessee fans, you know, which, which school uh, is your biggest rival, I think most of them would say Alabama, um, while acknowledging that it hasn't really been much of a rivalry lately. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's the other place where expectations come into play you know when you're when you're in a conference where i mean first of all if the school that you consider your biggest rival has won six national titles in the last 12 years and you're a dumpster fire um i mean you you think you think about you know what auburn has gone through trying to keep up with alabama well tennessee's in worse shape than auburn and so um you know it's even more frustrating in tennessee because they can't keep up and then of course both of them are in a conference where you know, you've got you've got other programs. I mean, of course, LSU won the thing just a year ago. Uh, Georgia nearly won it three years ago, and, and so you just feel like in the SEC that if you don't do something, you're just going to fall further and further behind. Once you know that your guy is not the solution, and I think ultimately that's what it comes down to with 
Pruitt or what it came down to is that they just didn't think that he was the, the guy to get it turned around. I think if he had been a Tennessee guy, they might have given him one more year to, to be sure. But being an Alabama guy, he was never going to get benefited out. Brett, as a Nebraska fan, I feel some empathy for the Tennessee fans. Just kind of, we're, we're both stuck uh, in the doldrums yeah. of, of mediocrity. So, in your opinion, who currently is worse off? Is it Tennessee or is it Nebraska? I, I think I know where you're going to go with this, just based on the the events of the past four days. Um, but I just want to get your thoughts on, on Nebraska and Tennessee in the state of their programs. Well, I think Tennessee is in a worse position as far as you know where they are relative to expectation. Um, I know that Nebraska's history is obviously more glorious than Tennessee's. So if you were to say, okay, you know, what do the fans think is the the best case scenario for the program? I, I think Nebraska fans might, you know, certainly they'd be they'd be uh, worthy of of dreaming a little bigger because they've seen it happen in their lifetimes. Whereas Tennessee, they had one title, but you know, other than that, it was. Uh, there was a lot of second fiddle to, to Spurrier, and uh, and and beyond that, they've just been good, but you know, not quite great. And uh, I, I just I just think that with Tennessee, there's so much uh, more of a level of frustration because of all of the the teams that seem to be between them and where they need to get to. You know, it, it, the teams that they're recruiting directly against. Like I said, they have uh, their biggest rival is on top of the, the sport. And for Nebraska, does Nebraska have a biggest rival now? I mean, is it now Iowa? I don't know. Like, it's just... Kind of. It's, it's still yeah, new I mean, and weird. And, yeah, and, and so I think because of that, you know, that, that's at least one, one dynamic with Tennessee that doesn't exist in the Nebraska situation is that you're, you're not watching a hated rival dominate the sport. And, and so that makes it a little bit easier. And, and, and it's obviously not easy for either fan base. Mm-hmm because they, they, they want to get back to where they were. Um, I, I think Nebraska might have an easier time with just saying, okay, let's just take the next step. Let's just become a consistent top 25 team. And, and for at least five years, I think we'd be really happy with that, right? I mean, I, I, you guys know better, but I'm just guessing that a lot of Nebraska fans might say that right now. Whereas for Tennessee, it's like, no, you know, you get us back in the top 25, but if we're still, you know, third in our division, that's not good enough. And, and so I, I, that's where I think it's just the, the whole context of it and where you are in, in relation to other teams that you feel like you should be at the very least on the same level as. Brad Edwards with us, college football insider. I mean, there's just a there's just a reality in, in Georgia's Georgia, and they've been really good, but they, to me, have underachieved in, in comparison to the talent that they've had. Florida seems like they're kind of back in their groove after not cranking out the the win total they need to in the East, not dominating the East. And then you've highlighted just what the reality is with the West, with Bama and, and LSU. And I think Auburn's plumb nuts for getting rid of Gus. He's he's done better against Saban and Bama than about anybody. Yet yet they're going a different direction, which leads me to Kevin Steele. And uh, I've got people that, that I keep in contact with that have coached with and, and know Coach Steele really well. And, and, you know, they love him from his time in Nebraska. And he was so vital, not only to Nebraska, with, with how he did on the recruiting trail, Tommy Frazier, but he's been that, that key 
cornerstone with Clemson, with Saban, with Bama, with uh, with Auburn. I mean, he's he's been great for programs wherever he's gone. What can he do realistically at Tennessee? Is is he a place sitter? Is he a guy that gets a one year audition? He's sixty two, you know, and we were told yeah. Monday that. He was on the beach with his dog, and Tennessee kept calling, and he eventually went in to, to listen to him. So uh, where do you see Steele from a long-term standpoint with Tennessee? Yeah, obviously they had some sort of plan for him um, when you know when they called him because yeah. they, they had just put a hiring freeze on <laughs> at Tennessee um, you know, related to the sanctions that were going on and, and the uncertainty around that. And then all of a sudden they announced that Steele was hired, but it didn't appear to be a hire made by Pruitt. So right. that was it was just kind of a weird thing if you were paying attention to it. And so now he's sitting there, and uh, all indications are that they're going to hire an AD first, and then the AD will, you know, be involved in the coaching search. How long will it take to hire the AD? I, I don't know. And the longer it drags out, um, the more that you think that it, it might be in their best interest to just to just, you know, have him go through one season. And like you said, it could be an audition um, or it could just be, you know, hey, this is this is one season where you're a placeholder and you keep it together. It's kind of like uh, um, Jim Grobe at uh, Baylor. Sure. Uh, I don't remember how many years ago that was. Not too many years ago, um, you know, before Matt Rule was hired. And so it, it could be a situation like that um, or maybe this is his chance to just – because speaking of Baylor – Kevin Steele obviously <laughs> yeah. had a uh, horrendous yeah. coaching record there, and uh, I'm sure he would love an opportunity to, to kind of show that he's a better coach than that. And uh, whether he'll get the shot here, I don't know, but, but certainly the longer this thing extends uh, before they get an AD in place, you'd think the better chance there is that uh, he could end up with that. And, of course, the other thing is even when they start interviewing candidates, who's going to want this job? Yeah. I mean, given the uncertainty of, of – what's going to happen to the program sanction wise, you know, relative to to this recruiting stuff they've uncovered uh, and, and and given where they already had been sitting uh, before that is, is is any coach going to want to risk his career on Tennessee right now? And, uh, you know, Steele might be the best option they have at the end of the day. So, um, I I think it's an interesting situation and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see if, um, we'll see if the Tennessee gives him that opportunity that it looked like Auburn wanted to give him, mm-hmm. um, but someone pulled the plug on it. Well, and Brad, we'll let you get out on, on this. Uh, the guy that's been through as bad as it gets when it comes to sanctions is Bill O'Brien. I don't know how bad sanctions are. I don't know if he'd be a fit, but uh, I know he didn't work out with the Texans, but I, I thought he was great at Penn State. I don't know if he's a guy you think of or is, is Luke Fickle a guy that would even listen? I, I don't know. Brad, about 20 seconds. How bad do you believe it'll get sanction-wise? That, that's so hard to say because, um, you know, recently um, the NCA has kind of uh, is, has, has not necessarily been merciful, but they have given a little bit of a break to teams that pretty much turn themselves in. And, mm-hmm. and if you remove the coach or coaches who are responsible – it doesn't end up being as bad, and they've they've done that, and so uh, I don't I don't think it's going to be a, a huge deal. Their their bigger issue is is how bad they already were before this. Gotcha, Brad. We'll get you a, a shout next week. Thanks for the time today. 
All right. Take care, guys. Appreciate it. Good stuff from Brad Edwards, College Football Insider. Uh, a lot of thoughts there with uh, college football, Tennessee, Coach Steele, and, you know, Nebraska and Tennessee, the fan bases. Historically speaking, not really even a, a discussion, but from a recency standpoint. In Tennessee recently, I mean, they're not far removed from a bowl win, a bowl appearance, a nine-win season. They, they cranked out a nine-win season, if you remember, back against Nebraska in the Music City Bowl. As the Huskers trying to get back to postseason. <laughs> A little different atmosphere, though, between Lincoln and, and Knoxville. Bill Bender's next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Let's talk some NFL playoffs. So we welcome in Bill Bender with the sporting news to Hale Varsity Radio at Bill Bender92 on Twitter, is where you find him. Bill, what a what a day, right? Uh, and uh, let's start off with your takeaway with Philip Rivers, his career. Let's reflect a minute here. Is it even a question? He's a Hall of Fame guy. Oh, I mean, yeah, he's absolutely a Hall of Fame guy. Um, you know, it's one of those things when you're in the top five in passing yards, top five in passing touchdowns, top ten uh, passing touchdowns. You know, uh, he'll probably go down as one of those quarterbacks that. Uh, one of the best about a Super Bowl ring is what I'm trying to right. say there, and I'm sure that'll continue as uh, being Canton in five years. He's one of those guys. I've always looked at him as one of the best competitors, one of the best quarterbacks to play the game, and I think that will continue. I have some, some guys I've been able to cover here at Nebraska that spent time with with Rivers, and they, they just smile when they talk about him, how he would just talk the most mess without swearing at people and he had a hundred kids and there's a minivan but man he was he was all about getting out there and practicing hard and being with the fellas and uh he'll be missed for sure and i remember like yesterday you know him coming out of nc state with that throwing motion but it didn't phase him and he had some really good help around him in san diego and then he went to Indy for a year, and and you know the Colts, uh, you know, just by an eyelash, uh, got bounced from the postseason. So, do you buy that 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 Matt Stafford may be the next man in Indy, or do you see him on the move at all from Detroit? Oh, they'll have options. Uh, our Benny Iyer was working on that today, and they'll have to have come uh, come up with a quarterback plan, obviously. And they'll have, you know, I think Frank Reich does a good job with young quarterbacks anyway. So. Mm-hmm. There'll be theories ranging from Stafford to the Wentz to maybe they drafted, you know, in the NFL draft, they get a quarterback there. But the whole time when they signed Rivers, you had to believe that they were planning ahead a little bit, yeah. that they knew that this would be an option because of Philip Rivers' age. Bill Bender's with us. Sporting News, Hale Varsity Radio at Bill Bender 92. Bill, uh, a thought on the Deshaun Watkins situation and what do you believe happens? Is he a guy that, okay, things can get smoothed over with the uh, the powers that be in Houston? Uh, maybe they, they get the enemy. I know he's interviewed there today. Uh, the other side of it, though, is, I mean, the Jets are, are in play. Robert Sala, his era is about to begin. And then Miami's been mentioned as well. And I don't know if you give up on Tua yet, but but Deshaun's awesome, so you get him if you can. Uh, what's the crystal ball look like for you when you when we talk about Deshaun Watkins? Well, it's actually good. They need to do to 
make him stay. And, but when you're openly, you know, some of the theories going on there about a possible trade at some point, it's kind of like the James Harden deal. The guys openly kind of not wanting to be there, you're going to have to do something mm-hmm. because it becomes a franchise-wide problem, especially the most important position. So it be interesting to see if they end up making a deal, and that's very possible. There's obviously a lot of teams that can use a dynamic talent like him. Um, you know, he was right there statistically with Mahomes and Rodgers and, and Allen and the, the best of the position this season. But uh, it's clear that the franchise needs to do a better job of you know being around him. Watson's so dynamic, and what would be the dream situation? I mean, what, where, if you could drop him anywhere, where would you drop him? Where would you like to see him go? Where could he put a team over the top? Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, it, I don't know. I mean, you know, Chicago could use a quarterback, obviously. They're one that fits there are other, you know, Detroit's another one. Both of those teams in that division have been chasing the Packers and Vikings because of mm-hmm. various reasons. But, I mean, with the Lions, the quarterback's not the problem. Matt Stafford's <laughs> been good. Um, you know, Atlanta, if Matt Ryan's almost gone, which could be a thing. And, but I don't know that that's the case with them moving in a new coach. So there are spots, and there are plenty of teams that would welcome a guy like Deshaun Watson, but it might mean moving on from a guy that's been their quarterback for a while. I'm thinking Vegas. I would love to see Chucky and Deshaun together, and that's no knock on Carr. He's been really good, but man, I think uh, I think Watson and, and Silver and Black would be pretty intriguing. I know San Francisco would love to have him as well. They're trying to figure out their situation to quarterback. We'll see. So, as a uh, Green Bay Packer fan, how are you feeling about this weekend against Tom and Tampa? <laughs> Oh, I mean, nervous as always. I mean, it's a bit fun opportunity. I mean, kind of running through some of our pregame coverage now. I mean, obviously, Tom Brady's been in 14 conference championship games. They put a pretty good beating on the Packers in the first meeting, but this one's in Lambeau, and that always gives you confidence. And not that, just that, but the way Aaron Rodgers is playing, the way the running game is playing. It's exciting, you know, as, as, as a Packer fan, that my son's a huge Packer fan, and we can't wait to watch the game on Sunday. How you feeling? Uh, take me back with with that first matchup, and uh, I know it was thirty eight to ten. Was it turnovers? Was it was it Brady on fire? What went wrong for Green Bay? Yeah, they couldn't run the ball, and Aaron threw two picks in the second quarter that kind of Brady capitalized, made it a twenty eight point third second quarter, and Buccaneers ran away from there. I mean, one of the key matchups in this game will be. Green Bay's running game versus Levante David and Devin White. I mean, the Buccaneers don't have one good linebacker. They have two really good ones, and they were so disruptive in the first game, and Green Bay's going to have to account for that. But then again, I mean, this is a team that took the number one ranked defense in the NFL last week, and I mean, I know Donald was banged up, and mm-hmm. Ramsey still did a pretty good job, but I mean, Green Bay pretty much had their way with that, that offense, or that defense, and that happens again, and they could put up some pressure on Tom, and, and they can make a few mistakes. That's really what it comes down to. Is, you know, the Buccaneers are 0-4 when Brady throws two picks. The Packers, the only game that Rodgers threw two picks this year was against the Buccaneers. So it may just come down to a mistake or two from those legendary quarterbacks. Slip it around. I feel all right uh, about Mahomes moving forward. Uh, Josh Allen in Buffalo, man, they've been really special. 
what 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 does uh, Sunday come down to in, in Arrowhead here? How tight's this one going to be between the Bills and Chiefs? You know, I think the Chiefs, obviously, with Mahomes, if he plays, in, and I, you know, I don't know what the indications are. I mean, I think he will. Um, they'll have to do what they did in the first meeting and, and run the ball effectively and open up some things. Get Travis Kelsey going. He had two touchdowns in the first meeting, and you know, try to slow down what's become an elite connection between Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs on the other side. You know, the Bills have a ton of uh, offensive success. They've been one of the hottest teams in the league, and with good reason. And that's going to be a close one, too. I think we're in for two really good games. Uh, I picked the Chiefs. That's assuming Mahomes plays, and I think it'll be tight. But uh, it's definitely one of those games we're looking forward to. Bill Bender, a couple minutes left here on Hale Varsity Radio. Sporting news covering the NFL weekend and the goings-on around the league. Uh, Bill, uh, we haven't talked since Urban Meyer's been hired, but... Uh, in Jacksonville, he's putting together an elite staff. I watched his press conference, and uh, I, I think things can work. But I think Urban's approach will be a little different than some former college coaches as far as the the relationship and, and respect level of, of the locker room. Uh, maybe he'll learn from some, some mistakes of, of former college greats that didn't last in the NFL. Are you optimistic about Meyer in Jacksonville? I think he'll do all right, you know, and some of those other factors, like Indy starting over at quarterback, he talks about Deshaun Watson. Um, the division could open up for them a little bit with Trevor Lawrence and $75 million in cap room and Urban if he hires the right guys with his staff. I know a couple of the hires he made are Ryan Stamper, Stamper and Anthony Schlegel, for example, are good hires for uh, personnel and strength, strength and conditioning. So that's a good start there. And, uh, you know, we all want to see it. I, I don't know if it'll be like a Jimmy Johnson type deal or a Nick Saban type deal. I think it'll be something in between. But Myers is a hyper successful coach, and the fact that you know we were theorizing the whole time would he go to Texas, would he go to USC, and he ends up here. I mean, just shows that he certainly uh, you know could be really good. And you know, maybe he's researched this more than we thought. And was taking a calculated move by going to Jacksonville. Last thought here, the the fire that is Tennessee, uh, old Nebraska assistant Kevin Steele's the interim coach. This is a mess with uh, what's gone on. And if some of the reports are true about how blatant Tennessee was outside the lines, um, not good. I know you put a list together of, of targets for Tennessee. How hard a job, how hard a sell is this, or could the right AD get in there and bring in a, a home run fix? I mean, Tennessee, if, just waking up, they're chasing Florida for sure. They're chasing Georgia, and their crossover is Bama. Other than that, life's good, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, they're going to have to – I think a guy, you know, if they go to the group of five hire like a Billy Napier or Jamie Chadwell and give that guy some time and patience and do it the right way, then they're not going to run into the mess that they did. You know, and not have a coach who's influenced by who the fans want. You know, that's what they did last time, and the mess speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's a couple moves. I mean, if they want a more established coach, Gus Malzahn's still out there. I mean, he made Auburn pretty darn competitive against those good teams that you all mentioned. So, I mean, those are a couple to look at. But obviously, you know, whoever takes that job, going to do that while the program's getting investigated by the NCAA and 
You know, it's not going to be an easy job for the foreseeable future. Gus is is a great hire that's out there, I think. I don't know that they go that way uh, with Steele, you know, uh, it, it is the interim. Right. About a minute left here, uh, Bill. What would it take to get Luke Fickle? Because I look at him at, at Cincinnati. I look at the region, okay? You know, him being at Cincinnati and Tennessee where it's at. I mean, you're not far from a lot of spots in Tennessee. I mean, could Luke Fickle listen? Or is he is he holding out for NFL or Ohio State? I think he's holding out for a bigger job. And, and, you know, that certainly would be one. But they'd have to really sell on the culture of the program. Remember, that's why he didn't really take a look at that Michigan State job. And that would have been a good fit for Luke, too. But uh, he's being picky with his spot. And in the meantime, he'll stay at Cincinnati as long as he can until he finds that. Yeah, Fickles, that, that'd be a monster get for, for Tennessee. Uh, by my count, eight, eight coaches, including interim, since uh, old Phil Fulmer stepped down in 2008. That's, that's a lot, and that's coming from Nebraska, where they're on their own carousel. Bill Bender's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, read Bill on the sporting news. Find him on Twitter, at BillBender92. Bill, best to you. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the football. Thanks for the time. Hey, no problem, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Around the NFL playoff weekend, more on Mahomes coming up with a jock doc. Dr. Doug Tavis take us through some protocol thoughts as uh, that's the big question here, protocol and uh, Mahomes. Hail Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Doug Tavis with us. Dr. Doug, you got the uh, the guac and cheese dip ready for this weekend for some NFL? You betcha. I just got to get out and get those chips. Uh-huh. I got to get my tortilla chips. <laughs> they, you know what? They they help make it all possible. It used to be popcorn. Now it's tortilla chips, right? Yeah, well, I think you can just do both. I don't know how many pounds of wings I had, but I <laughs> put them in the air fryer and they were magic. <laughs> it was so good. Things are, are pretty optimistic when it comes to concussion protocol. I know earlier in, in the week, Monday and Tuesday, Mahomes cleared some hurdles and the NFL. NFL's got its own independent kind of ruling eyes yeah. and ears with that. But before we get to, to all of Mahomes, what's your impression? What happened with, with his with his concussion on Sunday? And I ask that because it didn't look like he hit his head very hard when he got pulled down. And then he got up and he was all sorts of wobbly. Yeah. yeah. So there's a couple of possibilities that I see with this. And, and uh um, there's at least one report, you know, that came out that suggested maybe that he tweaked a nerve. But mm. if you watch the play, there is a little bit of a side-to-side uh, whipping of his uh, of his head relative to his uh, trunk, um, and that occurs through his through his neck. Okay, and so we're used to seeing you know these concussion issues as being direct blows to the head. Uh, usually front or back of the head, and, and that's kind of the typical uh, scenario that we that we're used to seeing. If you um, whip the head side to side hard enough, uh, you can still get a concussion going. And the reason for that is because 
the brain, uh, you know, it sits in a um, in a contained space and is surrounded by fluid. And the, the brain itself can still, for lack of a better way of saying it, slosh back and forth um, depending on just the forces that are put on the, on the head um, in a whipping manner, not just from a direct blow. And so there's certainly a possibility that he would have some of those symptoms develop as a result of that that looked like a concussion. When it yeah. comes to the nerve side, I, I had heard that too, and it- it's almost where he got grabbed and how he was flung down. He could have pinched something. Is yeah, that easy yeah, to explain exactly. how why he had sea legs going on? Anybody that's ever had um, a really bad stinger in their arm, which is a, a stretch of the brachial plexus, which is the nerves as they come out towards the shoulder, um, there are times where you get kind of an overwhelming feeling of, I'm injured, and, I, and, and my body's protection is... I'm going down. You know, I'm on a, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not getting up and I'm not moving. My body protects my you know protects me by giving me those sea legs if you want to say it that way. And you'll see guys like that that'll come off the field with a stinger, you know, that's really bad where they take a few steps and then they kind of kneel down and and feel like they can't go and then they can get up and move. But you know, one of the better thoughts about that as far as the nerve is concerned is again the fact that the defending player had his arm wrapped around his neck. Um, and then his head kind of whips side to side over the top of the arm. Um, in that kind of a situation, you could also get a, you know one of the nerves um, that are right along the spine there pinched uh, to a point where he could have experienced some symptoms going up into his head. Uh, the second cervical nerve, for instance, provides sensation along the um, along the uh, skin on the side of the skull and then provide some of the um, innervation to some of the muscles that are on your skull. You don't think about your, you know, having muscles on your skull, but, but that could create a sense of pain and you know something wrong with my head that would have also given those sea legs kind of a thing. So it's it's not necessarily a situation where it was inside of the you know in the brain that caused him to have the sea legs. Dr. Doug Davis with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship game against Bills. What we're uh, the Bills? What what we're talking about here and Mahomes' availability. Dr. Doug, I watched that game and and Mahomes still moves pretty flawlessly, pretty fluidly. That said, he did develop a bit of a limp. I assume you noticed that, too, with with his foot. Yeah, so um, he definitely was, um, you know, he came up limping after that one run that he had, and um, then if you watch him after that, he's running um, sort of with a flat foot, mm-hmm. kind of a gait, so he was kind of um, almost um, almost a waddling kind of a thing where you know, he's still pretty darn quick, you know, but, yeah. but if you watch his foot plant, he really did not get up on his toes. He was on, his, on the flat of his foot um, with any of his running that he was doing afterwards. And, and so that makes him look kind of awkward as he's running. 
um, that would be pretty consistent with somebody getting turf toe. Um, you know, with a turf toe, you you uh, stretch the tissues on the bottom of your big toe, and and uh, that can be you know very very painful. But you can still kind of work your way through it. And and watching him run, um, that's kind of what I thought was going on with that. And uh, there were some reports, I think, even during the game that they were looking at his big toe, so that would fit. Dr. Doug Davis with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Patrick Mahomes. You know, when it comes to treatment for the the turf toe and, and even some precautions, uh, shoulder up or nerve-wise, you know, what, what can you do as a training staff, obviously as an offensive line, keep him from getting hit? But I don't think Reed or Biennemi are going to be bashful or conservative with their play calling. Uh, so if he's good to go, and it sounds like, you know, I think he will be on Sunday, he, uh, they'll ask him to, to do everything within that offense. But between last Sunday and this Sunday, do you expect him to be limited at all? Yeah, so on the turf toe side of things, assuming that's what he's, what he's dealing with, uh, they'll put a, a carbon fiber plate in his shoe that will limit the flexibility of that big toe. And that'll allow him uh, to plant on that leg for when he's making his passes. And so from a throwing perspective, uh, you know, he'll do better. Now, you'll probably still see him run a little bit awkwardly um, with that. But I, I think the, the toe side of it is going to be a, a workaround kind of a deal, much like when he dislocated his kneecap and they put a, you know, he ran with a brace uh, to help with his kneecap and was a year or two ago. Um, so I think he'll be okay there. Relative to um, you know the concussion protocol, if they're really dealing with a concussion here and he is in that protocol, um, the steps that he cleared here just recently probably means that he had the computer testing done and he passed that with good you know flying colors. So he's he's in that uh, situation now of saying okay. You know, with a concussion, if he gets cleared, he'll probably be just fine, you know, as far as the performance. On a nerve side of things up there in that shoulder, that's the piece that you just really, or, I mean, up in his neck, that's the part that's really going to be hard to uh, predict what's going to go on. And there really isn't that much that the training staff can do to protect him in that regard. Um, maybe, you know, uh, maybe putting a little excess roll on his, you know, like a cowboy collar on, but that would be pretty unusual for a guy who's trying to throw the ball. Dr. Doug, thanks for the time today. You bet, Chris. You take care. Enjoy the weekend. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We will have uh, best bets tomorrow with Danny Burke. We shall see where uh, things are at with Mahomes and how limited his practice is tomorrow. Elijah, he's got to play, right? I mean, he's just, I know health and safety is important, but let's. uh, (laughs) If he has a pulse. Right. You got to think. Listen, I I don't believe the NFL will hold him out. I mean, he's the, he's the face of the league at the moment. He is.
he is. So if, if he has a pulse, I think he's going to be playing in the AFC Championship game. And I know um, I read a little bit into the, the concussion protocol from the NFL, uh, which is different than college. And, I mean, if he gets cleared by an independent neurologist by Friday, he's good to play on Sunday no matter what, pretty much. Right. And the NFL, it's not like they're beating the hell out of one another. I mean, they they you're professional, so they don't – per league rules and union, I mean, it's not back in the day – Pittsburgh Steelers, Oakland Raiders, bloodbath practices. Mm-mm. It's just, it's just not. A uh, reminder to buckle up: seventy percent of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury up to sixty percent. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Tomorrow, longtime Buffalo Bill. And Husker standout Chris Kelsey going to be with us. So we'll talk with Mr. Kelsey and uh, a full dive in with uh, Eric B. Enemy, his former boss and a dear friend of the show, Gary Barnett, with us. We'll talk all things Big Red with Brandon Vogel. Uh, and uh, that is a loaded Thursday edition for you. The Wednesday show flew by. Enjoy the podcast. Elijah will get that posted. Heard at media platforms where you can find that other amazing podcasts as well and can subscribe. Give us some feedback. Give us a rating and um, tell us what you think. Appreciate your feedback. Google Play, iTunes, or Spotify with Hale Varsity Radio. Tell Alexa or your smart speaker to play Hale Varsity, stream us ESPN, Lincoln.com, and, of course, iHeartMedia streams this as well. The on-demand, where you go for the Brad Edwards sit-down on some Nebraska and Tennessee similarities, or Mike Babcock, or Shuey, Mike Shuart from Wilderness Ridge, all of that on-demand, ESPNLincoln.com. You hooping tonight? I'm not going to be hooping tonight. I am going to be uh, doing a little jujitsu, I believe. Oh, so you are you are going Danielson. Uh, that is the, uh, not necessarily the plan, um, but it is just January. It's a new year. Um, should probably work on work on myself, you know, and instead of working out, I'm going to do it through like something that's actually kind of badass, you know? <laughs> so are you a green belt, yellow? What are you now? Or are you no belt? I'm no belt. So you're just starting. Oh, yeah, because I went in this past summer... And my first lesson, I separated my shoulder. Right, I remember that. Yeah, so this is the first time going back. (laughs) I can see it now, Elijah versus the fourth grade class, like the Seinfeld Kramer episode where he gets beat up by the uh, fourth grade class in karate. Well, I'm sure I'll have a a cast next time you see me. Well, I'll sign it. All right, tomorrow at 4, talk to you on Hale Varsity. Thanks.